wing wide left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in to Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the mid-season form from Chris Chapman on the woo as we jump right back into (laughs) The VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Today we are going to go around the horn. Uh, who's back? Uh, who's not? With the Vegas Golden Knights, we'll bring you up to date on the roster. We'll also give you the top five, bottom five as we see it going into the National Hockey League season. This is going to be a countdown, though, and we're going to do number five today on both sides of the ledger, and then go through it, and uh, we'll end up with number one at the beginning of next week. One-timers are back. News and notes from around the National Hockey League, and the big offer sheet that was not matched over the last couple of weeks as Montreal and Carolina continue to wage their war. Did Montreal come out ahead? Did Carolina actually do the Canadiens? the Stanley Cup finalists, a favor. And which team out of that is actually the better club, given that it was the Habs that went to the Stanley Cup final? A whole bunch coming your way on the VGK Insider Show. We're here for a couple hours every day, 4 to 6, on Fox Sports Las Vegas, giving you your fix for hockey talk until, well, we'll go right through until middle of July next year. I'm already (laughs) calling it. On show number one, I'm booking our last show and nailing that down. I'm going to say July 14th is our last day in 2022. And in between all that, gentlemen, we've got an Olympic Games as the NHL will participate in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. So, uh, yeah, there's just a little bit to dive into here, Wallace. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, the Olympics is going to be incredibly exciting. It'll be nice to see NHLers back in the Olympics. And, and you know, I, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking about, you know, how those teams are going to break down. I'm looking at Team Canada. I'm looking at the projections. I'm looking at just how good that team might be. And, and we'll get into more specifics, obviously, as the year goes on, when we find out who's going to be invited to camp and, and which players are going to be a part of those rosters. But, you know, for me, I, I just I, I think it's just really exciting to have a, a somewhat normal season, an 82-game schedule that's starting about when hockey's supposed to start in mid-October, and, and having that regular schedule to come back to this season, it feels normal again, and for that, I'm incredibly excited. So how about this? We haven't gone through 82 games in a couple of years. Uh, yep. The Henderson Silver Knights, like, we know that they're here. We know what they do. We know how convenient it is. But we haven't really experienced the true advantage of the Henderson Silver Knights uh, in, in the Valley. 
and how that's going to work because last year's there's the taxi squad and and going back and forth and the expanded rosters. We're going to be able to witness that firsthand this year mm-hmm. with a with a true American Hockey League schedule, and then you have what is still going to be a compacted schedule because of the Olympics. So, well, we're going to play and see 82 games by the VGK. It's going to be a, a little bit more similar to what we witnessed in the almost nonstop three and four uh, that we witnessed and it went through last year where you were at some point that game that you were watching that night was part of a three and four. When there's the front half, the back half, <laughs> it was the three and four. And that's the way it's going to be like the first couple of weeks for the VGK pretty calm and yep. then you get into it uh to try and uh, allow for the space of that uh, that february break uh so there's there's a little bit of new there's a little bit of the familiar uh from the old and then there's a, a bit of a hybrid uh, all coming into the midst of it with a team that that's probably gone through its biggest change in the in the five years, going into year number five now, but in big name only. The mm-hmm. rest of it is fairly status quo. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do. And, and you know, when you look at this offseason, it's, it's, a, it's a shift, right? Like, it's a shift from what the Golden Knights used to be. It's a shift from the magic of year one to really what the Golden Knights are going to become. And and when you look at some of the pieces that exited this offseason and and the impact that those pieces have, have had on this organization, um, it, it was a tough offseason, I think, for a lot of fans. But, you know, when you look at the, the upcoming season, you look at the names that the Golden Knights still have on the roster, the names they were able to add, I think that it gives you a lot of optimism going into year number five. Yeah, the... The ability to retain Alec Martinez, I mm-hmm. think, is huge uh, for this this hockey club, uh, and might be the most significant decision or acquisition, reacquisition that is going to make or break championship hopes. Is his ability? Uh, they they call him uh, the warrior. Like he's he like he is Mister Everything. To, to that blue line and play such a hybrid role with the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think has, has, has become such a big part of that leadership core uh, with, with no offense to the Vesna trophy winner and no offense to the face of the franchise in Marc-Andre Fleury. When you're looking at trying to be able to do what you do to compete for a championship, uh, Alec Martinez was the most important thing emotionally I understand the tie uh, mm-hmm. to, to Mark Andre Fleury, and then you, you start going through it, and let, let, let's walk through a little bit of this right now, and mm-hmm. like the ins and the outs for for the Vegas Golden Knights, and there's no getting by where you start, and that is Mark Andre Fleury moves on to the Chicago Blackhawks, and Laurent Brossois moves in from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he was backing up Connor Hallebuck the last couple of years, has uh, solidified himself as a National Hockey League goaltender. So the shuffling is Robin Leonard takes over as your number one guy. Brassois is number two. And you won't see you won't see the 50-50 split by any means that, we, uh, that we're used to in the last, uh, well, since 
uh, Flurry and Leonard were part of this team. But this isn't going to be uh, what we saw, too, with Flurry and Subban. It'll be probably 65, 60, 40 uh, type thing is, is what I see with the compacted schedule. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. When it comes to Laurent Brassois, this is a guy that I, I think really knows what it takes to be a backup goaltender in the NHL. Uh, oh, you look at his career averages, a 2.83 goals against average, a 9.08 save percentage, so he's over 900 in terms of save percentage. I, I think that you're confident and you're comfortable putting him into situations, putting him into games in order to get strategic rest for Robin Leonard and I think that in terms of Robin Leonard uh, you want him to be able to get himself into a groove but you don't want to that work rate to to really slow him down toward the end of the season so you, you needed to bring money in in terms of of a legitimate backup at the NHL level to make this transition period work for the Golden Knights I like the addition of Laurent Brassois is he Marc-Andre Fleury? Absolutely not. Not many are. But I think having clearly defined roles for Robin Leonard, Laurent Brassois going into this season is going to be key for the Golden Knights. Let's go to our overly emotional operator of the VGK Insider Show. <laughs> the one that manages to blow everything out of proportion because he gets too involved. How are you doing, Chris Chapman, with the change in goal? I'm I'm fine. Um, I think there was a realization that this team was not going to go into next season with both uh, Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. I think the contract number made it pretty obvious that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be the guy that was going to be moved. And I like Laurent Brossois. I think he's a really good backup. And I think this being the best team that Laurent Brossois has ever played on, I think we will see that in his play. So I'm actually I'm, I'm actually fine with that move. I, I, I think it was... One of those things that had to happen. I mean, you would have loved to have kept both guys, but it just wasn't possible. And I, like I said, I, I, I like Laurent Bassois. I think he's going to be really good here. How long did it take you to accept it? Ryan can verify. I was I was pretty on board with it day one. I was okay with it. Ryan? Yeah, no, I. you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Chapman his due. I think that, you know, the surprise of the moment was certainly there. But once you kind of take the step back and, and start looking at it from, from you know, a little bit different perspective, you try to take a little bit of that emotion out of it and you look at where the Golden Knights could, could improve without $7 million in Marc-Andre Fleury on the salary cap, I think that you start to come around. Immediately, um, Chapman wasn't overly emotional and came around a lot quicker than I thought he would. The, the Marc-Andre Fleury-Robin Leonard debate, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but uh, just to offer a, a couple of thoughts here. Uh, Robin Leonard is younger and cheaper, so that mm -hmm. makes it so important in the salary cap era. And he's uh, been a Vesna finalist, and Marc-Andre Fleury was just the Vesna winner. So it's, it's close in talent. It's... Uh, uh, it just makes sense. When he's yeah. younger and cheaper. Uh, the part about Marc-Andre Fleury, to those that have uh, tweeted over to me, that you only had to do it for one more year, and then Fleury comes off the books. Well, I'm not, I wasn't totally sold on that, that Marc-Andre Fleury is only, only going to play one more year. Like you, you, you were probably going to have to walk away. If you didn't walk away this year, you're going to have to walk away next year and have right. him play somewhere else because he's fit. And he still wants to chase down the records, and he loves playing the game. So if you're going to have to walk away at some point, 
doesn't not make it easier to walk away right now when you can save that $7 million, uh, sell high because he's the Vesna Trophy winner, and you buy yourself and your group one more full year to compete for the Stanley Cup championship. Well, I mean, I think that's the key right there is that you're within a window right now if you're the Golden Knights, right? You want to give yourself every possible opportunity every single year to be the last team standing to win the Stanley Cup. And and I think that when you look at last season, compacted schedule, absolutely. But when you look at the playoffs, you look at kind of an inability to score at times, not for the same reasons as the bubble, but just that's what happens in the NHL. And then you look at those games throughout the season where the Golden Knights had to play shorthanded because of salary cap constraints. I do think that you look at this year a little bit differently and you say, we want to give our team the best chance to to have more depth in the lineup, and we want our team to be able to enter the playoffs fresh. And I think that's really kind of what went into the decision-making because this is a year within the window for the Golden Knights to win. And one of the things that Darren mentioned, and, and it, it really needs to be said again, is about the salary cap. This is a situation where this team does not have the ability to bring back Alec Martinez if they also have Marc-Andre Fleury on the roster. Mm-hmm. They made the move to get Yevgeny Dodanov, obviously a guy who can score a lot of goals. They they knew when they made the move that they were going to be without Alex Tuck. So they needed to have the ability to bring in another guy who, who could score goals, and Dodanov is that guy. So you, you, you have a lot more flexibility as far as bringing in other parts and bringing back certain parts. I didn't even mention Matthias Yanmark, who also is back. So... Freeing up that that space gave you an opportunity to do so much more with your team. Uh, we got to get a clarification on uh, Dadanov's name. <laughs> I've heard both. I, I was calling him Dadanov, and then I heard Dadanov. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not sure what I it know. is. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I heard uh, Dadanov, and I'm like, isn't it Dadanov? I thought it was. <laughs> so we got, at some point, that'll be one of the goals for training camp. If uh, it, are we going to call him Gino? Uh, if Jenny uh, and uh, and is it Dadnov or Dadanov? Uh, the other number two in the ins and outs is Alec Martinez is back. Yeah, Alec Martinez returns. Nick Holden is out. Uh, Nick Holden moves on from the organization, and Alec Martinez resigns and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Holden was a great teammate. What, a, what an un- unbelievable mentor to the young guys, uh, both in the bubble and uh, watching him in Taxi Squad last year and going through uh, all that. If they could have, they, I mean, they signed him to a two-year deal for a reason. Uh, if they could have, they, if there was a way to do it, they, they he was, he's a salary cap casualty. But Alec Martinez, where's the, where's the most value in Alec Martinez? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's it, to me, it's his utility, right? It's the fact that if you need a goal, he can come up with a big one. If you need somebody on the power play, if, if there's injuries, whatever the case may be, he has proven that he is able to score goals on the power play. It's his ability to block shots. It's his ability to play great defense in the defensive zone. You, you look at Martinez, you can put him in so many different situations. He is truly a utility defenseman in this league. And then you couple that with the idea that 
When you put him with Shea Theodore, Shea Theodore excels. When you put him with Alex Petrangelo last season, that was when I think Alex Petrangelo really got comfortable within the Golden Knights framework. So he's just the type of player that I think brings out the best in his defensive partners, and he's the type of player that you have in in so many different key situations. The best value you get out of Alec Martinez is just how useful he is in all these different situations. He gives you a big three. Now, I'll go back yeah. a number of years to the yeah. Montreal Canadiens. They had their big three. Uh, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole for you, but there's there's the difference between your stud defenseman, your big two, and, and think about somebody like Anaheim when they won the Stanley Cup. They had those mm-hmm. two great defensemen in Scott Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger, two yeah. Hall of, future Hall of Famers. You have Shea Theodore, who were waiting to be a Norris Trophy finalist or win a Norris Trophy. We know Alex Petrangelo and and his game and how it blossomed last year to become the alpha of that blue line. That's great. But mm-hmm. this team is not a big two and then Alec Martinez. I, I think that there's there's that big three. On this blue, and that gives Ryan McGill and Pete DeBoer and Steve Spot, uh, Ryan Craig, so many options when it comes to what you're going to do with your pairings and shifting them in and out. And the other part of of Alec Martinez, which I think we realize, but when we talk about him on shows like the VGK Insider Show, which is your go-to source for hockey talk in the Las Vegas Valley, is he scores big. Goals, and I'm not talking yeah. about the Stanley Cup goal a couple of years ago uh, in in Los Angeles. That's a given, but he scored big goals for this team in his two playoffs and in his regular season with the Vegas Golden Knights. He has that ability to play on your second power play unit. He has the uh, ability to to jump in and he skates so well. I I don't uh, underestimate at all, and it's it's a real compliment to. Theodore and Petrangelo, what he's able to do uh, to make that a big three. I haven't heard his name, by the way, in the Olympic conversation, which we'll get to uh, for Team USA. And and Team USA's strength right now is is on the blue. Like it's really there, there's ten players who I went through uh, earlier today, and Martinez isn't part of that ten, and they're going to have to somehow get it down to eight. I don't know how they're going to do it. But if, if, if Alec Martinez gets off to a great start the way he finished last year, I won't be surprised at all. And I might be leading the charge to get his name into that Beijing conversation because he is so versatile. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right on the money, and and all it's going to take, really, I think, for him to get into that conversation is is to have a, a good start to the season. And mm-hmm. what we've seen out of Alec Martinez is a seamless fit within this team, within this organization. And I'm expecting really nothing different from Alec Martinez when the puck drops on the 2021-22 season because he's just that player. And and you mentioned the big goals, you mentioned those key moments throughout the playoff runs for Martinez and the Golden Knights. He, he's just the type of player that lives for those moments and brings his game to the next level. And that's the type of player that you want and you need in your lineup in order to win. How are we doing for time over there, Chappie? We got we got another couple of minutes before we couple get a break. Minutes, yeah. couple of minutes. So yeah, do you want to take a break now or and finish off the who's in, who's out? Or do you want to rip through the who's in and who's out uh, over the next couple of minutes? I say let's take a break now. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, names <laughs> like Dadanov. 
names like Reeves, names like Patrick and Howden, all on the horizon, on the tips of our tongues. And who won the offer sheet war between Montreal and Carolina? It's a fascinating game in which ownership got involved. And ownership wasn't happy. It's the VGK Insider Show. Block one of show one. We're back. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Inside of two weeks until rookie camp. Rookie tournament's going to take place in Arizona and Phoenix, Glendale, all over that uh, little valley. And then we've got Fan Fest coming up, and we will be live on location, downtown Las Vegas, over yep. at the D. And then we'll get into the preseason, and uh, sort of a, a regular preseason, something that Pete DeBoer has never done. Never <laughs> never had a preseason. He coached one exhibition game in the yeah. bubble, and that, yeah. that was against Arizona. Uh, that That's it. The, the rest has all been... Games that mattered. So he's going to get an actual opportunity with his coaching staff to uh, to dive into it. Uh, so that's all coming up, all leading and funneling towards October 12th. Welcome back to the BGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. If you missed any of the first segment, uh, check out the podcast. Uh, as Chris Chapman, we'll have that up and uh, ready to go. We went through the who's out, who's in, who's in, who's out list. And I like to go with with who's in from now on. And I'm going to go with... Nolan Patrick is in. Cody Glass is out. And yep. this is a really intriguing swap. Uh, not much to choose between the two. Uh, you can call them one of the more similar transactions in, in two players that were involved in the same uh, swap. And Nolan Patrick, I'm intrigued by what he's going to give. And I'll admit fault here. Last year, I told the caller this was it was not a make-or-break year for Cody Glass. It ended up mm-hmm. being a make-or-break year for Cody Glass within the organization as he was swapped for in a weird three-way trade for Nolan Patrick. Yeah, I, I mean, it was certainly um, one of those trades where on the surface you look at both players, you look at Cody Glass, you look at Nolan Patrick, and you say uh, from a change of scenery perspective, you would – you would expect that both players are going to be rejuvenated by getting an opportunity within a different organization. I think for Nolan Patrick, uh, just the fact that he is now not with the Philadelphia Flyers, he doesn't have the weight of of being that second overall pick uh, with that organization. I think is is big, and you know he comes to a team in, in the Vegas Golden Knights who, you know, I, I think. You look at the player, you look at kind of the style, and you look at the familiarity with with Kelly McCrimmon. Um, I just I think that this is a really good spot for Nolan Patrick and, and an opportunity for him to just go about his business, being a part of 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 the team and and getting to grow into that role. You know, Philadelphia did a nice job in that deal, uh, being able to acquire Ryan Ellis for yep. Nolan Patrick. You could easily say that the biggest Shot in the dark uh, would be Nashville in Cody mm-hmm. because he's got the least amount of experience in the NHL. And motivation for what was a guy that was number one rated going into his draft for three quarters, eight-tenths 
of that year. And it was passed at the uh, at the final poll uh, by Nico Heischer is is Nolan yep. Patrick. There's a there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia does the trade Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass. So good on on the Golden Knights yeah. management at in trying to and digging through all those moving parts to find a way to get Nolan Patrick for essentially Cody Glass. Yeah, I mean, it's creativity, right? And that's one of the things we've talked about with this front office is uh, they're they're not afraid to be creative to try to work out deals and try to figure out ways to get players that they they have in, in terms of, of their minds uh, as ideal players for this organization and this franchise. So I think that you're absolutely right. Like if, if you're looking at the Philadelphia Flyers and you present a trade option of Cody Glass for Nolan Patrick straight up. I don't think that that deal makes any sense um, for Philadelphia right now. I, I do think you, you look at what their needs were. Acquiring a defenseman was, was certainly high on that priority list, and Ryan Ellis is a, a very, very good defenseman to, to kind of get in, in return here. So for me, it was a creative way of finding a way to move Cody Glass to another opportunity in another situation in the NHL and also acquire a player that you're familiar with and, and you hope can can kind of rise to, to what the expectation was when he was drafted. A couple of ins and then an out. We'll finish it up okay. here. If Jenny Dadnov, Brett Howden, both in, mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves is out. Another emotional turning of the page for the VGK. But as you do that, as you allow your heart to flutter and and swell with the notion that, that Ryan won't be back, know that Howden could end up being a number three center in a couple of years, a fourth line center right now. Yeah. Uh, but he could end up playing up in the lineup. I, I, I have a softer spot for Brett Howden, mm-hmm. so I'm hopeful in that regard. His body of work tells me that he's the number four center. And then you've got Evgeny Dadanov, who, ladies and gentlemen, could be, in all of this talk that we've gone through, could end up being the star acquisition uh, of the offseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. He has that touch to be able to put the puck in the net when it's going great for Evgeny Dadanov. The net looks like twice the the width of a soccer net. It's he's he's got that stroke to him. Yeah, I mean he's not far removed from some really really good productive right. seasons with the Florida Panthers. Now, obviously, scoring just 13 goals in 55 games for Ottawa was, I think, kind of a, a not exactly where he'd want to be production wise. But it's still 13 goals for the Ottawa Senators, um, so that has to count for something. Maybe there's an exponent factor you can yeah. add in there. My my point is, right. I think Dadnov, you you put him in the right spot, you put him with the right players, uh, you you certainly put him on your power play. And I know that Big last nice. year power play goals were, were not easy to come by for him but uh, I think again when you look at the talent on the Golden Knights you look at kind of defined roles I, I would not be surprised if you're looking at a player that's that's going to put in 20 to 25 goals for the Golden Knights because on good teams with good talent surrounding him he is a 25 to 30 goal goal, goal guy and that's what he's proven to be Let's slide over once again to our uh, emotional expert, the man that handles all the the touchy-feeling topics uh, around the VGK Insider Show, Chris Chapman, and the departure of Ryan Reeves. Again, I don't I don't think it was a surprise. I think 
you know, if you follow this team closely, you, you, you had to think that it was a real possibility because just because of the fact that he really wasn't playing a whole lot down the stretch and he didn't play in every game in the playoffs. And he was a guy, I'll be honest, I was surprised when they re-signed him last year. So I can't say I'm surprised that they were able to move him. And I think if there was any place for Ryan Reeves to end up, I think New York is the perfect place. A, he's reunited with Gerard Gallant, who obviously had a lot of love for Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves' personality will thrive in the Big Apple. So I think I think it's a win-win for both teams because I think the Rangers wanted to toughen up. I mean, who would have thought one guy would make the Rangers go out and turn themselves into a team full of brawlers? But uh, they, 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 it's a good move for Ryan well, I Reeves. I don't think they're there yet. No, no, but uh, they, they'd like to be there <laughs> because of one guy. But I think it's a good move for Vegas because, again, they free up some cap space. And I, I think it's really not a surprise that Ryan Reeves was moved because I think if you followed it close enough, I think you could see that this was the writing that was on the wall. So, again, not so, not overly emotional. If I can just make one comment in terms of the Rangers, like I know it's 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 kind of become the the thing to do to say it's because of Tom Wilson, and while there's a, a an ounce of truth to that, there there is certainly that aspect of it. I mean, this is a New York Ranger team that plays against the New York Islanders quite a bit every single year, and the Islanders are no slouches when it comes to physically beating up their opponents. I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, just trying to be more competitive and not being a soft team in a division where you've got some real punishers. Well, I think when you when you see your potential MVP get ragdolled, I think that kind of motivates you a little bit to go out and get some protection as well. I'd agree with that. New York Rangers, Washington Capitals, on Wednesday, October 13th lion in the jungle <laughs> lion in the jungle uh, that would be that would be opening night for the new york rangers and the washington yeah. capitals what do you think happens on that night between ryan <sighs> um, Reeves? is that does ryan Reeves become a, a star immediately so here's the thing you we we've been around ryan reeves we we know kind of that that he's the type of player that understands the gravity of the moment and i think that you know if that's an opportunity to endear himself to his new teammates if that's an opportunity to go out there and send a message then that's exactly what he's going to do he's not going to do it over the uh, over the line he's not going to do it against the rules but he will certainly go out there and, and handle business if it's needed and necessary but this is also kind of a, a new trajectory for the New York Rangers. You've got a new general manager, you've got a new coach. How much of that from, from how much of that disappointment from last year and the lack of stepping up against Tom Wilson is going to bleed into this year versus how much of it's just going to be wiped clean and you move into this year in, in a new way? I don't really know, but if it's going to happen, I would love it to happen opening night because it would be fantastic to watch. The only disappointing part about that is the games in Washington. If it was in Good point. Madison yeah. Square Garden, and you got the you got the song going and the Potvin <laughs> chant and Ryan Reeves uh, doing his thing, uh, that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Uh, it'll be uh, the day after the Vegas Golden Knights launch its season against the Seattle Kraken. So there's your who's in, who's out. We also have some significant conversation regarding some off-season transactions around the National Hockey League. And one of the most dynamic swaps that occurred was an offer sheet that came from the Carolina Hurricanes for Jesperi Kakinami. And mm -hmm. Jesperi, uh, a 
at the time was a surprise pick where he went to the Montreal Canadiens. And then this time around, I think if you're being honest with yourself, you're a little bit taken aback by the $6 million one-year offer sheet uh, by the Carolina Hurricanes. Was this about Carolina making a play for a good young player who uh, they saw as, as gettable from a team that's in a salary cap crunch? Or was this about a couple of years ago when Montreal tried to acquire Sebastian Ajo via the offer sheet and giving a little payback? So, like, on the surface, if you follow the Carolina Hurricane social media, when the offer sheet news broke, it certainly seemed, based on their post, that this was more or less about kind of revenge. It was more or less about finding a way to, to rub it into the Montreal Canadiens. Now, if you listen to Don Waddell in his press availability, once the Montreal Canadiens did not match the offer sheet and Jesperi Kotkaniemi became a member of the Carolina Hurricanes, it's all about the player. Now, I think there's the, the, the truth kind of lies somewhere in the middle. I do think this was an opportunity to take advantage of the Montreal Canadiens, given their salary cap uh, situation, given you know kind of where they're at in terms of vulnerability with, with their centers. Um, and, and to me, I think that this was a, a well-executed and well-done offer sheet. That being said, it's absolutely an overplay for overpay for the player right now. Could Jesperi Kotkaniemi become a $6.1 million player? Potentially, but he's going to have to get better, and maybe that comes with with an uptick in terms of who he's playing with within the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Yeah, and how much he's going to be able to play. He's Mm -hmm. down a little bit uh, in the lineup with with the Montreal Canadiens, so he should. When you're going to pay $6 million for one year on the offer sheet, you'd like to think that he's going to get a pretty good and longer look uh, to be able to carry some more of the weight than, than he has with, uh, with Montreal. Because what Montreal did in losing Kakanyemi mm-hmm. and filling that void was go out and acquire Christian Dvorak, basically with the compensation that they got from the offer sheet. Uh, so right. acquire Christian Dvorak, center iceman from the Arizona Coyotes, who 20-goal guy. Mm-hmm. Did did Montreal, in in if you swapped Kankinami uh, for Dvorak, yeah, are you are you if you're Montreal, are you okay with that trade? You know, I I think you are um, honestly because right now I think Christian Dvorak's a, a better player. I agree than Jesperi Kankinami. Right, like I think there, that he's a more consistent player. I think he's the type of guy that that he's a he's a natural center. He's going to be able to win some faceoffs. He's going to be able to be defensively responsible, and he's going to be able to play with some of the the guys that you've tried to make centers, but just aren't those types of players. Like Jonathan Drouin. If you look at Jonathan Drouin with Christian Dvorak, I, I think that there could be something there. So for me, I think right now, if you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens going into next season, you say, are you better? Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi out, Christian Dvorak in. I think the answer is yes. You've got a 25-year-old as opposed to a mm-hmm. 21-year-old. Uh, yep. Dvorak was drafted, I think he was a middle second rounder. Uh, Kotkaniemi was third overall pick, uh, broke onto the scene. Like, he was surprised when, when he kind of made that team uh, early, yeah. even though he was a, he was a top-five pick. Uh, it was thought to be a project, but but almost a victim of his own early success. Uh, I like the way Mark Bergevin handled it. But mm-hmm. I will say this. 
the rumblings that I have been feeling out behind the scenes, when it gets <laughs> to the crux of this Aho offer sheet a couple of years ago to the yeah. offer sheet for Kakanyami was Tom Dundon was fully involved in this. Not just from the green light, but yeah. more of a, uh, I, these are my words, not Tom Dundon's, but more mm-hmm. of a, screw those guys. Yeah. Like, we're we're, we're going to make an answer here. Which, like, it's fine because I, I get pride and, and all that, but when you look at the deal for Sebastian Ajo, like, it, it's it's market value or a little bit better. Like, you're talking about a franchise player, and the Montreal Canadiens essentially did that work for you. I I, I get being irritated by the, the offer except, sheet. I except get... the Ajo deal yeah. takes uh, takes him right to free agency. The, you so, know what? That's so a fair point. It, that was the big thing about the Ajo deal and why Sebastian, one of the big reasons why Sebastian signed that deal was it took him right to free agency didn't and and then he's like he maximizes that time. So that's well, I mean, that my, was part of my it. counter. I mean, my counter to that is get Sebastian Ajo locked up before he goes to to RFA and, yeah. and offer sheet eligible. Like you you have a guy that's worth eight and a half million dollars, right? Like clearly that number is where Sebastian Ajo wanted to be. You look at the term, maybe you try to work something out, but don't give the Montreal Canadiens and Mark Bergevin an opportunity to offer sheet him and walk him to free agency in that situation. Are we looking at a uh, Kevin Lowe and Brian Burke type feud? <laughs> do, do, do you remember I, that offer sheet? That, I, that came I do. In? Yeah, Dustin Penner. Dustin Penner. And then yeah. they, were, they were talking about going out to the barn, Brian Burke <laughs> and, and Kevin Lowe. We're going to go out to the barn, and they're going to settle well, uh, are it. We, is are it we gonna... looking at this with Donnie Waddell and, and Mark Bergevin? I, oh, I don't think it'd be Don Waddell. I think it'd be it'd be Tom Dundon, Tony, right? Tony, like, yeah. um, I don't like Dundon or Waddell's chances. Maybe if they're able to tag team and, and go up two against one against Mark Bergevin, maybe then they'll have an opportunity. But I, I don't imagine those two guys are, are really looking to get into a fist fight with Mark Bergevin. Can you imagine the silks that Bergevin walks into the ring with, into the bar with? <laughs> yeah, it'd be amazing. Like, he's, I, he's I, styling. I, Put it on pay-per-view. I'd love to watch it, but I, I don't think we're getting there. I, I think you look at the Carolina Hurricanes social media. They know how to market. They know how to create buzz on Twitter in the hockey world. I thought it was really entertaining. I thought it was really funny, um, but I, I'd like to believe that this is kind of where it ends. Uh, Mark Bergevin didn't get the player in Sebastian Ajo. Tom Waddell, uh, Don Waddell got the player in Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and now it's going to be up to Kotkaniemi to make this worth it for the Carolina Hurricanes. Don Waddell got both players. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, they did. Got both players out of it. I like it, though. I, I, I love the, the fascination between, one, the offer sheet, and there's a mm-hmm. couple other players still out there that, that teams are worried about. Uh, Vancouver, Elias Pettersson. Uh, yep. that, that teams are legitimately worried that if an offer sheet comes in, they won't be able to match. I love it. Now, yet in a Pedersen uh, type situation, you need a couple of firsts and in, in a second. Like it, it gets a little bit steeper than the six million. Yep. But uh, the the fact that we've had a couple of offer sheets in the last three years and we had the same teams involved 
just adds to the intrigue. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, who's in, who's out? And then offer sheets. Uh, is it around the horn? Who won the offer sheet war between Montreal and Carolina going back three years? So take the last three years uh, into your pot, give it a sample. Who yeah. came out ahead? I, I mean, it's it's the Carolina Hurricanes. They've got Sebastian Ajo locked up at, at a very reasonable reasonable cap hit over the next three years. Yes, it walks them to free agency, but just do do your job, Don Waddell. Get him locked up beyond that. You'll be good to go. Um, I, I you look at the fact that they've got Ajo. They've got. Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, who I still think is going to be a very good player in this league. $6 million, it's an overpay right now for this year, but there's the caveat of you give him a little bit bigger role, maybe he's going to excel, maybe he's going to run with it. Right now on paper, I like the roster of the Carolina Hurricanes better than I do the Montreal Canadiens, and a lot of it has to do with the two offer sheets I'm seeing at the top of the list on Cap Friendly, Sebastian Ajo and Jesperi Kakanyemi. Chapman. Yes. I... I'm not sure. I, I, I think this is a to-be-determined because yeah. I think we have to wait and see, A, how Kotkaniemi turns out in Carolina and how well Christian Dvorak plays in Montreal. I mean, I think basically if you're Montreal, if Dvorak turns out to be a really solid player for you, you're probably fine with losing Kotkaniemi. Nothing wrong with your balance. You're walking that fence line like a champion right now. <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> I am Mr. Straight Down the Middle. This is a to-be-determined for me. Uh, Christian Dvorak but, is the uh, the winner because he escapes what is a rebuilding franchise and goes yep. to the Montreal Canadiens. He's a winner. Salary, he's a loser because taxes are going to eat up so much of his check <laughs> that he's going to go, what <laughs> happened to my money? Yeah. But uh, yeah. No. He, gets out of, uh, he gets out of a rebuilding situation. Now, I will say, Chapman, you're only really taking into account this offer sheet with Jesperi Kakaniemi. Yeah, he's not. Darren, specifically said that it has to go back three years well, and it has to involve Sebastian Ajo's offer sheet. Who has won the offer sheet wars? It's very clearly the Carolina Hurricanes. It is. Yes. No uh, no response. He's just sitting there going, okay. ah. <laughs> I, uh, You know what? He, he almost humpty dumpty almost wobbled up the wall there. <laughs> I, I, I have I, fallen I, off the chair before. I, I, I remember catching. <laughs> uh, we'll reset uh, for hour number two. Top five, bottom five. We'll give you... The start of that list, who's one of the top five teams in the National Hockey League going into this season, and who is the fifth worst team in the National Hockey League as we work our way through our number one of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Here, number two of uh, two hours a day in Fox Sports Las Vegas of the VGK Insider Show. We are back uh, early September. We will take you through rookie camp, the rookie tournament, uh, training camp for the Vegas School of the Knights, uh, the exhibition season, and then right into opening night for the Vegas School of the Knights and another one of those uh, spectacular season openers hooking up with the Seattle Kraken for the expansion team's First ever game on October 12th. Uh, kind of intrigued to see what that's going to look like. And then get into the comparisons between 
what uh, what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have been able to do through the first uh, four years and then into year number five of the franchise and what Ron Francis, Dave Haxtall, and company will do with the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly intrigued to see what the Kraken look like on the ice. Um, you know, it, it was a little bit lackluster just in terms of the entire process for the the announcement of the Seattle Kraken because so much of it was leaked ahead of time. There, I was waiting for something more. I was waiting for some side deals to come in. It never really materialized. But when you look at the Kraken, they're, they're set in gold. I think they're pretty good defensively. The question's going to really come. Can this team score? Uh, but I, I think that there were probably similar questions to the Golden Knights before they started uh, their inaugural season, and you, we all know how that turned out. So it'll be interesting to see Seattle as they take the ice for the first time against Vegas. Hey, that crack an expansion draft process, uh, you bring mm-hmm. up a good point. I woke up in Tokyo uh, yep. that morning, and mm-hmm. I thought I missed the expansion draft. And, and I'm 110% <laughs> being honest with you because I yep. saw all the names – and I thought, how did I miss? Because uh, you're, you're always balancing what time is it here, there, and all that kind of junk. Yeah. And that was kind of early in the process. And I, I, then I realized I didn't miss it. Just every name got leaked. And when, when we did it uh, with Vegas, there was mm-hmm. three or four names that got out, but nowhere yeah. close. Like This was a much different scenario in how so many names got out there. I was really surprised. Yeah, me too. It it certainly took something away from the spectacle of watching the expansion draft live on television. Uh, But, you know, in in terms of of our purposes, doing the show, it it really made that that day uh, exciting and fun to just kind of keep up with the news as it was breaking. Uh, But again, it's one of those situations where I wanted something more. I wasn't able to get it because I already knew everything that was going to happen. A lot of Golden Knights in town skating, getting ready for the National Hockey League season. We'll tell you about uh, that. One-timers, news and notes from the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League coming up, plus top five, bottom five. We start our list of the five best teams in the National Hockey League and the five worst clubs to kick off this National Hockey League campaign. Hour number two, the VGK Insider Show is coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.